You can turn in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11 and verses 28, 29, and 30. They're up here, but you might want to turn in your Bibles and you can have reference to them and, uh, and have them right in front of you. These are the verses we're going to expound on this morning. The title of my message this morning is, I Will Give You Rest. I Will Give You Rest. And as I was thinking about this, is, is there ever a time that we need rest? It's today. You know, there's so much unrest in the world. Um, think about all the, the turmoil, the, the riots, the confusion. Uh, just this past week, the, somebody was changing a flat tire and they were robbed and murdered. And you could ask the question, you know, is it possible... In the world in which we live, is it possible to have rest? Is it possible? And the answer is yes, because Jesus says, I will give you rest. I will give you rest. And I believe today, more than ever, that we need to know the reality of these verses. I believe in our generation, we need to claim this promise. It's, uh, I will give you rest. It's something that we don't have to attain but Jesus says it's a gift, and I will give it to you. It's from him alone. <clears throat> so we'd like to read the verses. You can follow along in your Bible or up here, but we're going to read them a little slow <clears throat> and uh, just put some emphasis on, this, on the, the, the Word of God. <clears throat> it says, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the truths of your word. Help us as we go through this short verses to glean truths from them that we can apply to our lives and claim the promise that's here for us. Help me to say what needs to be said and not say what is unnecessary. Father, I just commit this time into your hands. We pray in Jesus' worthy name. Amen. So what is rest? What is rest? When Jesus promises the rest here, what is he, what he, what is he talking about? Or what do you think of when you think of rest? Or resting or rested? Do you think of laying on a sofa? or um, maybe vacation, or uh, retirement, or sleep. Is that what he's talking about when he's offering us this rest? I believe there's more here. Let's look at some of what the Bible says. Let's go to the first mention, and that is in Genesis chapter 2. When God rested, it says, On the seventh day God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in it he had rested from all his work which God created and made. So God created the world in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. Now why, did you ever think about, why did God rest on the seventh day? 
Was he tired? Did he need rest? Uh, I don't believe so. I believe the reason he rested on the seventh day is that creation was over. Creation was over. It was fulfilled, complete, finished. And he says it was good. So God included in creation fulfillment and contentment. He called it rest. You know, uh, Psalms 23, we have the uh, David. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And, uh, you know, he says, I shall not want because the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything that I need. I can rest in him. I'm fulfilled. I'm good. I'm resting. You know, the world offers, does not offer this kind of rest. It's the opposite. Restlessness because of sin. I believe that uh, sin is the essence of the lack of rest. And each of us uh, have a desire to be fulfilled and complete. And, uh, and God wants us to, f- to find that in him. He wants us to find that in him. So to say, like David said, I'm good. I have no other need. I'm satisfied with him. Too many times we look to the world to find that satisfaction, and we can never be fulfilled there. Jesus says, I will give you rest. Solomon is another example. He was a person that had anything and everything that he could have wanted. He had all the money, he had all the smarts, he had, and he chased after everything that he could. And in the end, he says, it's all vanity. It's all vanity. You know, sin has eliminated that rest, and the only way we can get it back is coming to Christ. He is the one that gives us the invitation to come to him. He says, I will give you rest. So this rest is repose, it's refreshment, it's more than just laying down on the sofa. It's taking that burden off of your back and resting in Christ, resting. Uh, You know, a beautiful picture of rest is an infant asleep in her mother's lap. Just a beautiful picture of what rest is. So this rest that Jesus is offering is a very personal promise. And it's a very personal invitation. Jesus is speaking to us and saying, I can give you this rest. And Jesus is qualified to give this. He's qualified. Uh, It says in Hebrews 10, 12, But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus fulfilled the greatest task of all time. He came to seek and to save that which is lost and to reconcile sinners to God. He's the one that said on the cross, it is finished. And he entered into heaven and he sat down at the right hand because his work was done. He's, it, he's, he entered into his rest. It's a scene of rest. And um, he sat down and he's not on the cross anymore. He's on the throne And he entered into his rest, and now he says to us, come to me. Come to me. Come as you are. I will give you rest. It starts with coming. That is the first part, but it doesn't end there. Many come, but have little rest. And that's only half of the verse. It's only half of the gospel. Another thing that qualifies Jesus to give us this invitation is the prior verse in verses in verse in chapter 11 uh, in verse 27 says all things are delivered unto me of my father and no man knoweth the son but the father neither knoweth any man the father save the son and he to whomsoever the son will reveal him so no man knows the son 
more than the Father, and like vice versa. No one knows more about God than the Son, Jesus. Jesus, nobody else is in this position. And since this is true, since that Jesus knows more about God than anyone, anyone else, Jesus can reveal the Father to us. We get to know him through Jesus. So the call, come to me. Jesus is the best resource that we have to get to know him. I will make him knowable. I will, he will bring the knowledge of God to us, you know, make available. I will reveal it to you. The promise here is rest, rest. Now, how can I get this rest? How can we get these, this rest? Well, we have three points here. Number one is come. We were talking a little bit about that. Come unto me. The second one is to take my yoke. And the third one is to learn from me. So we have three conditions maybe for this rest. Three things that are laid out here in these verses that we need to get uh, in order to get this rest. Now, first of all, we're going to look at the first one is a come. Come unto me. Jesus is there with outstretched hands. Come. It's the invitation. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. You know, the Bible is full of invitations to come. Isaiah says in the Old Testament, Ho, everyone that thirsteth, come to the waters. He that hath no money, come ye, buy and eat. Yea, come and buy wine and milk without money, without price. Old Testament, the invitation is come. Come. Jesus, in many places in the Gospels, said, If any man come after me, let him deny himself and take up the cross and follow me. Another invitation to come. Come. And another comforting verse here, it says, And, 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 and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. What a promise. What a, what a, what a person offering this invitation. It says, I will in no wise cast out. Now, when we think of come, you know, we think of Jesus with outstretched arms. You know, the invitation is for all. And, uh, and, and it is. That's a good, good picture of Jesus with outstretched arms. The offer is open to everyone. No one is excluded from this call, this invitation to come. But in, this, in, this, uh, in the Greek here, this is an imperative. This come is an imperative. So it, it's more of a command, and it has with it a sense of urgency, like a child on a railroad tracks. You know, you see your child on the railroad tracks and a train coming, and you say, come now. It has an urgency, come. And uh, that's actually from Strasburg Railroad <clears throat> off of uh, YouTube there. <clears throat> but the, the urgency of coming now. Christ is wanting to save. Christ is wanting. He desires to save us. And he wants to save more than we want to be saved. You know, it's also in uh, Hebrews chapter 4 where it says, Come boldly to the throne of God. It has that sense of urgency. And, and it, it's, he, want, he, he desires to want to save us more than we want to be saved. He wants us to come more than we want to become, come. So the, the call is come. You know, it's not complicated. All we have to do is come. We don't have to go through Bible seminary. That can be good. Uh, but it, it, it's, it's come, simple, down to earth, come. Uh, and, it, and it starts with coming, coming to him. It opens it up for everyone. So whosoever comes to me, I will in no wise cast out. 
You know, when he says, come unto me, he means it. It doesn't matter where we've been, what we've done. All we have to do is come. Come to him, embracing him, trusting him. Bring everything to him. Nothing should stand in the way of our coming. But we come with honesty. We have to acknowledge that if we're weary and heavy laden. We have to acknowledge what's real in our lives. And that's who can come. That's who can come who's weary and heavy laden. We can say, well, who can come? The Bible says, come unto me all you that labor. Jesus says, come unto me all you that labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Labor is to feel fatigue, to grow tired, uh, just can't go anymore. Uh, heavy laden is, the Greek is weighed down, stressed out, overloaded to the point of exhaustion. Just can't take it anymore. And, you know, uh, he's saying, come to me when you're weighed down, weight that you can't carry. And when, when, there's, when, you're, when there's something that you're attempting to carry and you can't do it on your own strength. Just, you just can't. And that's what he's saying, come. Whoever heard of labor being restful? But Jesus can do that. Come unto me, all you that labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. It means growing weary from toil and hard labor. Now, Jesus was largely speaking to a group of Jews. And they were burdened down with Judaism, with legalism, the burden of the ceremonial law. And he says to them, come, come to me and I will give you rest. You know, we can be burdened down with, with temptations. We can be burdened down with besetting sins. Uh, sins that we keep stumbling over. We can be burdened down by trials, by hardships, tragedies, storms. Uh, this, these all can bring weariness. And the call is the same. Come to me and I will give you rest. It's a promise. It's a promise. Now, number two, he says, take my yoke. Take my yoke. So it's more than just coming. There's more here. Uh, coming is the first step, but we need to be willing to take his yoke. Now, a yoke is an instrument of wood, as you can see, uh, to tie two animals together. It's a very simple picture, you know, of bringing two animals together. Maybe they can plow in the field together. It keeps them in line. It, it brings the strength of two animals down to one, the strength of two into one, uh, two becoming one. And it's a picture of a, a, a yoke. You know, it's a picture of marriage. Two becoming one. You know, the Bible tells us not to be, to be, be not unequally yoked with unbelievers. For with what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? So it tells us not to be yoked together with unbelievers. The Bible also says, thou shalt not... Plow with an ox and an ass together. You don't yoke the, a, a, an ox and a donkey together. Why, why don't you do that? Why, does, why, why is, is that wrong? God says that's not, you don't do that. Well, you don't do that because there's two, they're two different sides of animals. They, they don't walk the same. They have a different pace. They're gonna, they have different strengths and it won't work. It won't work. Common sense would tell us that that's not going to be the best. It's not going to work. So when you apply this to the, the, uh, a believer yoking up with an unbeliever, it, it doesn't work. God says it doesn't work. Don't try it. 
You know, this applies to marriage. It applies to business. It applies to partnerships. You know, if we marry in, uh, an unbeliever, we're waiting for trouble to happen. Why? Because their walk is different. Their goals are different. They're, they're gonna have, the Bible says don't do it. Don't do it. And you can look at all cases in the Bible where somebody did it. It didn't work out well. You know, it turned, they can turn their heart from God. Be not unequally yoked. <clears throat> so the, the yoke is, is, is binding. The yoke is binding. You know, once you're in, you're, you're, you can't get out. That yoke was there. You're, there's a thing going around and bolted in. And, and so the yoke ensured that they were pulling together in the same direction. And when Jesus is saying, take my yoke, if you, he's saying, if you want to experience this rest, you must yoke up with me and pull in the same direction that I'm pulling. You must move in the same direction that I'm going. You know, if, if I, I have to give up what I'm, my own thing, I have to, to take this yoke, I have to give up my own way, my own, uh, my own thing. But if you take his yoke, you will find rest for your soul. And if you resist the yoke, there's no rest. We're talking about how do we get this rest. You know, you could say, well, I'm not sticking my neck in there. That yoke, I'm not sticking my neck in here. Well, he's not forcing us to. He's not forcing. It's voluntary. He says, take my yoke. Take my yoke. You know, many of us, and myself included, you know, want the freedom to get out when it gets a little difficult. You know, when this road gets a little difficult, we, want to, we want to just want a way out. Well, taking this yoke is, is, is binding. It's commitment. It speaks of commitment. We're committed. You know, Jesus uh, also says, whosoever does, uh, denies me, does not, whosoever does not deny himself, take up the cross and follow me, cannot be my disciple. It's, it's, that also talks about this same commitment. You know, this yoke is not only binding, but it's exclusive. It's exclusive. Once you're yoked up, you're, you can't, you, you're, you're yoked up to him. He wants, you know, we don't want, we can't be yoked up to different yokes at the same time. We need to be sold out to him. He wants our undivided attention. You know, to yoke up, to stick our heads in there and to yoke up with him, it's, it's, uh, it's singular. Uh, take my yoke means I have to detach myself from other yokes. I have to get rid of that yoke that's calling for my attention. Whatever it is, that, those yokes that are dangling out there in front of us that the world has. Jesus says, take my yoke. And we cannot say, well, I'm sorry, but I'm yoked with this, or I'm yoked with pleasure, or I'm yoked up with um, success, or I'm yoked, just yoked up to myself. Or we could say, you know, well, I, I just don't want to be tied down like that. I just don't want to be tied down. You see, this speaks of commitment. Jesus is talking about how he wants to, when taking my yoke means that we need to be committed to him. Uh, sold out to him, partnering with him, partnering with him. And we do it on purpose. We, it, we do it on purpose because it keeps us in his will. It keeps us from going our own way. We want to just tend to go our own way. If we're in his yoke with him, uh, it's going, he's going to say, no, we're going this way. No, not that way. We're going this way. You know, all through time, the world... Will, would never put its neck 
put, put, its, put its neck in the church, the Christian Jesus yoke. But why do professing Christians gladly put their necks in the world's yoke? You know, the world will never compromise, but the Christian will. And the world is not satisfied with just one step. You know, it wants the second one and the third one. And the th- Jesus says, I have a different yoke for you. you. We place ourselves in his harness. We get in submission with him. And he knows what's best for us. He knows what's best for us. You know, when we sing the songs about leading us and guiding us and molding us and making us into, it's all about being in the yoke. It's, it's about being yoked with him. Now, this life is not a, um, a passive life. You know, when you think about being yoked with Jesus, you just go as a robot and you just do whatever here, go wherever he goes. You know, it's, that's not the good picture. It's not a rebellious life that we're just trying to get out of the yoke, just trying to get out of the yoke and just trying to get out of the yoke. I mean, we can do that if we, uh, we, know, we, we know we can't, shouldn't be in the world's yoke, but we like to be there and we should know we shouldn't and we're just trying to get... That's not a, the picture is a yielded life, a yielded life, a yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ, just leading where he's, where he, where, following him, where he goes, I go, what he says, I do. It's partnering with Jesus and we can't go wrong. We can't go wrong because his yoke is easy. His yoke is easy and his burden is light. It's not heavy. It's not hard. You know, the, uh, the world's yoke is heavy. The Bible says the way of the transgressor is hard. So we see that his yoke is easy and his burden is light. You know, another thing that can happen is, is, is people, uh, we can, we, we are, we're not in the, the world's yoke, but we're not, we don't want to get in Jesus' yoke either. You know, we just want to be spiritual neutral. We want to be neutral here. You know, I don't want to get too radical uh, with Jesus, but I'm just going to be, I'm just going to be neutral. I won't yoke up anywhere. Well, can we, can we getting in the yoke of Jesus requires commitment. It requires commitment. That attitude, uh, does not bring the rest that Jesus is talking about, that Jesus says he will give us. So come unto me, take my yoke. And then thirdly, we want to learn from me. Learn of me, he says, learn of me. To yoke up involves learning from him, learning, learning a new way of life. You know, if we're going to enter into this rest, we're going to have to learn. You're going to have to learn my ways, Jesus says. And the picture here is a, uh, a student in a classroom, a pupil. The picture is a pupil in a classroom. Jesus is the teacher. And we are the pupil. We are the learner. I will live a life patterned after my teacher. A disciple is a learner. That's what it is. So to learn, you got to enroll as a pupil in a classroom. Jesus says, learn of me. And what a perfect place to learn. Right from the master teacher. You know, <clears throat> some of us maybe would rather give advice than take advice. Rather be the teacher. Or rather be the, maybe on the school board. But no, Jesus says, you know, we have, to, that, we have to resign off the school board and enroll as a student. If we're going to learn, we're going to need to learn. Jesus says, I will teach you through my truth. Student is the, is the one that finds rest for his or her soul. 
Learn to do life as Jesus did it. And there's so much to learn. Jesus says, Jesus is saying, will you let me be your teacher? Come here. Let me teach you. I lived in this world. You're not going to get this anywhere else. You must come to me. Learn from me. It's, it's learning as a pupil in a classroom. He says, learn from me because I am meek and lowly in heart. He says he's meek, and that simply means gentle. Jesus, he's meek and he's gentle, and lowly of heart is humility. Jesus was, was, was gentle, and Jesus had humility. And that's the two things that Jesus wants to teach us. He wants to teach us how to be gentle and how to be humble when we're ready to learn from him. And if you look at, if you evaluate the life of Jesus, he was very humble and he was very gentle. He had these two virtues down pat. And, uh, and he want, this is what he wants to teach us. He wants to teach us. And, and uh, backing up a little bit, he says earlier, he said, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. This, that word easy is often translated kind. If you look at the Greek word, you know, the, the, in Ephesians where it says, be ye kind one to another, that's the same word. So Jesus says, my yoke is kind. He's, he's kind. And, that, and that's another attribute or you know you could say well, what does it what does it mean to be kind when you say somebody is kind what are you saying you know well you're saying they're uh, loving or they do nice things or they say nice things and those kinds of you know but really a person that is kind is easy to be with easy to live with easy to be with and that's what Jesus has said his yoke is easy it's he's kind it's not hard we can trust him it's not heavy it's, it's not going to kill us. The world's yoke is heavy. The way of the transgressor is hard. And my, uh, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. One translation says, my load is not hard to carry. I guess because he carries it for us. So Jesus is saying, I want to teach you. Will you be a pupil? Will you, will you let me teach you? And... Um, and he, we have so much to learn. Paul said, For I have learned in whatsoever state that I am therewith to be content. It's something he learned. He didn't, it's, it, it, it implies that he didn't have it and he learned it. Contentment. And when we're ready to learn from Jesus, he will show us the Father and give us rest for our souls. I will give you rest if we come to him and take his yoke and learn from him, he promises to give us rest. He promises it. Coming is believing. Taking the yoke is commitment. And learning is life's lessons that we learn. And there's so much that we can learn. Now, why do we struggle to lay hold of this kind of rest? Why do we struggle to lay hold of this kind of rest? And I'm going to... Turn now to Hebrews, and then we're going to look at Hebrews chapter 3 and chapter 4. And we're going to look at a little bit of uh, applying it to our day. When we think about here, it's a, the, the, uh, the, the example that's given here in Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 is the record of the children of Israel recorded. And I'm going to read what's up here. 
In Hebrews chapter 3 and verses 9 to 12, it says, When your fathers tempted me and proved me and saw my works forty years, wherefore I was grieved with that generation and said, They do always err in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swear my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief departing from the living God. So here we have the, the reason that God that's given here that they did not and the children of Israel did not enter the, the, this rest that they were promised. And that was because of a lack of faith, unbelief. Now let's, let's just uh, give a look a little bit about the children of Israel there, how they were ready to enter the promised land. They were ready to enter the promised land. God said it was theirs. They were slaves in Egypt, and they had no rest there, no rest. God brought them to Sinai, and he promised them rest in the uh, promised land, but they had to take possession of it. And entering their promised land was called the rest of God. If they would have believed God and entered in, they would have entered into the rest of God. But what happened? We know the story how they sent out spies, and they said, we can't take this land. There's giants there. And they were discouraged, and this discouragement permeated the camp. And that generation did not enter the promised land. Why? Because of unbelief. Unbelief. God said it was theirs, but instead of being obedient to God's command and trusting him and moving forward, they turned back to the desert, and God was angry with them. And he says, I swear my wrath, they shall not enter into my rest. And it all comes down to this issue of faith. And I believe it's still true today. You know, we can have this same promise. We have the same promise of the same rest. And we, can, we, and we and never go into it because we really don't trust God. We really don't trust Him. We don't take His yoke. We don't trust Him and to lead us and to guide us and to direct us. You think about it. The children of Israel just experienced the crossing of the Red Sea. They just saw the greatest, one of the greatest miracles of time. And now they're, they're not willing to allow God, trust him, to take him into the promised land. And here we have the people come to Mount Sinai, but they would not take the yoke of obedience that God wanted them to do. You know, they wanted the blessings of God without taking that yoke of obedience. Not going, I'm not going that far. It's really what they were saying. And today we have many Christians that want the blessings without the commitment. They, they, they're not willing to learn from Jesus. And the truth is, we, we, we need to trust him. We need to trust him instead of just wanting to do our own thing. Now let's look, think about this mindset of the children of Israel. The, the story is in Hebrews chapters 3 and chapters 4. Is the, the whole story of the children of Israel uh, wandering in the wilderness and, and their, what happened there. And that generation wandered in the wilderness and they, they didn't do anything to advance the kingdom of God. They all died in the wilderness. They didn't fulfill the purpose that God intended them to do. Why? Because they didn't have the faith. They had, there was a lack of faith and a lack. And they were unwilling to, to, to take the yoke, to yoke up and to trust him. 
And you know, this story from the Old Testament is brought into the New Testament in Hebrews here, and I believe it's to warn us in the New Testament time today. If we want to just come to church and we don't are not willing to just go the whole way, we just want to put that reservation up there. You know, we're not willing to take the yoke. We're not willing to be a disciple. We're not willing to learn. I, I don't want to get too involved. You know, we have this doctrine today, <clears throat> easy believism. Just believe. And I ask the question, based on the verses that we're looking at, is that enough? Just believe. That's the first part, the coming. We need to take, we need to take the yoke. Now, believing... And coming are the same thing. I believe they're used interchangeably in the Bible. To believe is to come, and to come is to believe. But coming is the first step. God requires commitment. God wants commitment. We need to yoke up and to learn from him. In verse 12, in Hebrews 3 and verse 12, it says, Take heed, brethren, see that they're, they're... Lest there be in you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. A warning. And then in verse 14 it says, For we are made partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast unto the end. You see, it's not just a one-time commitment. It's not just a one-time coming and then just going our own way. It's teaching that we need to yoke up and to if, be committed. In Hebrews 3 and verse 18, it says, And to whom swear he that they should not enter him into his rest, but to them that believe not. The Bible makes it clear that, that uh, so they, they did not, as they did not enter into that rest, some today will not enter into that rest because of unbelief. Because of unbelief. And we take this over to the parable of the Great Supper. We're talking about being committed. The parable of the Great Supper, you know, the last verse of that parable says, and they shall not taste of my supper. And who's he talking to? Those that were uncommitted. Those that were yoked up with other things. Those that had, were yoked up with the land and the oxen. And, the, and uh, there is a lack of commitment. In Hebrews chapter 4, we have a, uh, the warning. Let us, this is the warning for us today. Talking about the children of Israel, this is for us today. Let us, therefore, fear, lest a promise being left of us entering into his rest, any of you should come short of it. You see, we can miss it. We can miss it. And then it says in verse 11, the last part of the last verse of chapter 4, it says, Let us labor, therefore, to enter into that rest. We need to strive. We need to put on effort. We can't just float along, lest any man fall after the same example of unbelief. The Lord requires commitment. We must come. We must take the yoke, and we must learn from him, and then the rest. I will give you rest. And it's a promise. And it's a promise. And we need to... Make a, we must needs to we need to put forth effort. You know, there's other verses that balance out this. My yoke is easy. You could think, well, my yoke is easy. We can just it's just yoke up and that's it. 
But you know, there's verses that talk about striving to enter in, working out your own salvation. There's effort that we have on our part to do that brings balance here. So it's not just coming to Jesus, but it's an unconditional pledge to commitment. We need to be committed to the Lord Jesus Christ. And if we're committed to the Lord Jesus Christ, we're going to be committed to his church. And the place that it's going to show itself is in the local church. If we're, if there's a, if there's a, if, there, if we're committed or a lack of it, it will be seen here in the local church. We need, to, we need to be committed one to another. Coming is believing. Taking the yoke is commitment. Being sold out, being obedient to Him, and learning is the lessons. Learning is the lessons of life. So we need to come, take, and learn. Come, take, and learn. We come to him as, a, as our Savior. We yoke, up, yoke yourselves with him as master, and we learn from him as teacher. And then the result is rest. Then the promise, I will give you rest. Jesus wants come, take, and learn from him. Now, one more uh, picture of rest that I would like to bring, and that is the millennium. The millennium. Another rest that's promised is the millennium. And I look forward to the millennium. That thousand-year reign with Christ, I believe that we will have, that it's a literal thousand-year reign with Christ. When Satan will be bound up and the lion and the lamb will feed together, and that sounds like peace. And I believe it's right around the corner. I believe it's right around the corner. You know, in Genesis 2, we looked at this verse earlier, and on the seventh day, God ended his work which he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work which he had made. God created everything in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. And I believe it's Peter says that one day is as a thousand years. And when you think about the, um, the time, a timetable, you know, it's believed that it's 2,000 years from creation till the flood. And it's 2,000 years from the flood till Christ, and 2,000 years from Christ till today. We're in 2020. What's next? The 1,000-year reign. The millennium is next. And I think we can look forward to that. As God rested on the seventh day, we will rest, spending eternity with Christ. You know, we work here, we rest over there. Jesus also promises rest here and now. I will give you rest to the one who comes, takes, and learns from him. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness and love. Thank you for the truths of your word. Help us to come. Help us to see your outstretched arms. Help us to see the urgency that comes with that coming. Help us to sense that urgency to, to, uh, to be uh, tools in your hand to evangelize. Lord, help us to, to take your yoke as you tell us. And Lord, help us to learn as we take your yoke to learn the lessons that you have for us. And Lord, we thank you for the rest that we can experience here and now. By following these conditions, Father, and we thank you for the rest to come. Make us a blessing. Thank you for our church family. 
In Jesus' name we pray, amen.